Jesus, we thank you today that you are our Savior. But also, you are Lord of our lives. And our lives just can't be thrown about and manhandled by circumstance. Because you are Lord. You are Lord. You see every detail. You see every eventuality. You see every experience in our lives. You see the journey that we're on. You see the steps that we take. You see what's behind us and what's before us. All at once, you're amazing. You know everything about our lives. And you are Lord of it. You're not a tyrant to be feared. You are Lord of our lives. And your love flows so endlessly toward us. We've seen your saving power. And we know your Lordship. Oh, your glorious power to control and hold at bay every attack from the enemy. Lord, thank you. We feel so secure in the power of your Lordship, knowing that everything about our lives, every detail is overseen by you. We rest we rest in this. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your goodness, for your care. And that no weapon formed against us will prosper. And every tongue that rises itself to contradict your promises that you've given us, we can contend with. We can refute. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise. Amen. Amen. Well, isn't it great to be back this morning together, one with another? What a joy it is. We thank God, you know, for the various mediums that we can use. We can, you know, watch the Word of God and receive it through the web, but we th there is nothing like, is there, being together with God's people, seeing one another, encouraging one another, just being that community of God's people. What a joy it is to be together this morning. Now, over recent weeks, we've been looking at this whole subject of hope, and this morning again, we're going to continue to look at this wonderful series that we're in regarding hope. And I want to speak to you today a message titled, The Language of Hope. The Language of Hope. Over the last few weeks, we've talked about hope in the storm. And we've used Matthew chapter 14 as our backdrop. And we've seen how the disciples obeyed Jesus to cross the sea. They entered the boat under Jesus' orders, under Jesus' instruction. They get into the boat and they obeyed and they began to cross the sea. He told them to go to the other side and obediently they had sought to do that. 
And yet in the middle of their obedience, in the middle of the sea, suddenly a storm came down, began to oppose their obedience. And they fought that storm. They struggled with that storm. They spent all their strength against that storm in order to try and fulfill the word that Jesus had given them. But in Matthew chapter 14, we see right into that moment where they could go no further because they were being overpowered by an external circumstance, an external storm that they could not get beyond. Struggling, striving, using all of their combined strength together to fulfill the Word of God. And very often we try to do that. We obey God's Word. We go out, going forward with God's Word in our heart, knowing that we're called, knowing that we want to do His will. And yet very often, times in life change and things happen and sudden things around us oppose us. Right in the middle of us being obedient, just like these disciples were in the storm. Very often we can find ourselves in stormy circumstances of life, being opposed in our obedience to Him. Fear can set in. All kinds of things can happen to try and divert us and distract us and change the course that we are on. And yet Jesus comes into those moments in life, just like he did for those disciples. On that night, in that dark moment, Jesus comes walking on the waves in the middle of the storm. He doesn't still it. He walks on it. And they see him there in all of his glory. At first, they didn't recognize him. They were already struggling. They were already striving. And as soon as they see this figure, they don't understand that it's Jesus. And their fears are heightened even more. And they, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 14, they begin to cry out in fear. Things start to get worse because now they're not only contending with the power of nature. They don't understand this supernatural figure that's coming towards them. And they're exasperated, not knowing what to do. Jesus speaks to them. Let me remind you of the words that he speaks to them. As he cuts through the chaos, as he brings order again and alleviates all of their fears. Matthew chapter 14 verse 27 says this incredible words in this crisis that they were in. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. What a statement from our Lord. The Lord of all. The Lord of every storm. The Lord of every circumstance. Be of good cheer. Oh, they were so outside of those words. They were, their lives were so outside of that kind of understanding and that kind of security. Fighting fear. Fighting the strength of the storm. Fighting and struggling and striving just to keep things afloat. And then his word comes as he walks towards them. Be of good cheer. I wonder what crisis 
you face. I wonder what circumstances that are trying to oppose you. I wonder what it is that's trying to impede your progress in life. Is it emotional? Is it circumstantial? Is it physical? What is it that's trying to close down on you and hem you in? That you're using your strength and expending your energy on and going nowhere and getting nowhere. Jesus comes into the midst of such storms. Jesus comes into the midst of such crises. Jesus comes into the midst of such circumstances that want to hold us back. Why? Because he loves you. He loves you. And he's committed to you. In an unimaginable way, he will never let you sink. He will never let you go down. He will never let circumstance be Lord of your life. He's Lord of your life. He's going to bring you on through and take you to the other side of that word where you're going to be fulfilled and enter into everything that he's promised for you. Just like these disciples found out in Matthew chapter 14, that was the whole idea behind them going through this terrific event that they faced on this night in the middle of nowhere stranded at sea Jesus comes to them be of good cheer be of good cheer that's the language of hope right there you can hear hope hope can be articulated hope is infused in everything that God says you just have to open your Bible. You just have to open the Word of God. You see it on every page. It's infused in how God speaks to us. That's how He approaches us with hope, infused with hope. Every promise is teeming and abundant with hope. And that's how He comes to us. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. He doesn't communicate fear to you or I. But love, power, and a sound mind, that's what he's given to us. God will never initiate any fear in your life. He's not the author of it. He's the author of life. And into the darkness of our fears, Jesus comes walking. Be of good cheer. You know, you may be fearing the future today. There's a lot of bad news around us. There's a lot of information that's being passed about our world 24-7, more than ever. And I think, you know, as bad as the coronavirus is and what it's doing, one of the, one of, one of the bigger issues is the fear that it generates in the heart of people. Fear. But God never communicates to his people on the basis of fear. God never initiates fear. God ignites faith in our heart. God, God creates dreams in our mind. God, God generates hope for a great future regarding the plans that he holds in his heart for each and every one of us. This isn't a time for us to close down. This isn't a time for us to go to sleep and bury our heads in the sand. This is the time for our dreams and our hopes, 
and the promises of God over our lives to be fulfilled. You're going to go to the other side. You're going to reach everything that God's called you to be. And everything that God has for you, you're going to do it. Why? Because he said it. That's why. Because he said it. Not because of your strength. Not because of... Of, of our determination and our resolve. No, there's many forces in life that are bigger than it that will beat us hands, hands down. We start out in obedience. That obedience gets opposed. We, we struggle to get beyond the middle, that middle moment of life where we held and our, our progress is interrupted, but Jesus suddenly comes into the midst and does what only he can do. And as they testified, we will testify as we see him come into the crisis. Surely you are the son of the living God. I'm telling you, every test ends in worship. Every test and every, every difficulty that we go through. Ends in us adoring him because he's Lord, you see. He's Lord. You and I know about the storms of life. <laughs> you just got to wake up every day. Sometimes they come thick and fast. You know, I was thinking just of one such moment came back to my mind. And I often think about this moment because... It was, a, it was a, a real difficult time in my life where I was really battling with fear. And fear that was unfounded, irrational, erratic fear. Just like a jack-in-the-box jumping up out of nowhere. And you know, very often I would, I would struggle to lift up the shield of faith and extinguish that dart of fear. And it had come through. Because I'd struggle to lift that shield of faith in ignorance. And suddenly that fiery dart would come into my mind, into my heart, into my imagination. And there's one thing that I know about those fiery darts. As soon as they land in your life, they start to burn. They start to burn ferociously. And it was one of those moments in my life where I was facing these crippling fears in my mind. Number of days moved into weeks, and then one night I woke up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat, and there was a storm outside. The rain was beating on the windows. The wind was howling, and I heard right. It was, a, it was like an opportune moment that the enemy took when you're at your weakest, where you feel vulnerable. You know about it. You've been there. <laughs> he said you hear that storm outside it's all you, there's no control in it it's dark the wind is beating he said your life is like that now I know it sounds silly but I'm telling you those words had power Though I felt the cold shiver of that voice and you know, but you know, when that happens, do you know what it causes the child of God to do? It causes us to cry out to God. It causes us to, to call on him, which I did. I said, oh God, help me. You can hear the voice of the enemy. 
I need your help. I need you to speak to me. Do you know? He spoke to me. He will, he will certainly speak to you. When you cry to him, when you call to him in desperation from a needy heart, he will speak. And uh, the Holy Spirit said this to me, right? Very simply, very simply. He said, why don't you listen to the birds? I thought, listen to the birds. Can't you hear the wind? Can't you hear the rain beating against the windows? The thunder? What the enemy said is true. My life. Listen to the birds. Do you know, as I thought about that, my attention and my my hearing went off the noise of the storm and I began to try to listen to the whistle and the chirp and the song of the birds in the midst of the storm at the darkest moment. They were singing bright songs, unperturbed, unaffected, unaffected, completely unaffected by this dark, ferocious storm. And suddenly, that word dropped into my heart. I've got to sing. Now, I didn't do it out loud because Faye was sleeping. <laughs> right? I started to sing inside. I started to, to thank God for his goodness. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Do you know, after, after weeks of being manhandled by the enemy and thrown about with fears in my mind after, after that fiery dart consuming so much of my time and so much of my thinking and so much of my enemy, suddenly I was delivered and set free by just simply listening again to God's word, placing trust in it and faith. What was happening? He was speaking the language of hope. Be of good cheer. I'm here. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Circumstances out, out of control. Your mind all over the place, not knowing what's going to happen. What are you worried about? Why are you trying to work things out in your mind? Matters not. Be of good cheer. I am here. Do not be afraid. That's how he calms the storm with his word. That's how he brings us into a place where we're strong again. Where, where his life is in our life and we're thriving and we're fruitful again. And you know, when you look at the word of God, you could go through so many times where God's people have been at a hopeless place in life. But suddenly endless hope steps into that moment of hopelessness with a word of direction, with a word of encouragement, with a word of hope and lifts people from their despair. Now God speaks to us 
irrespective of what we're going through, irrespective of what we face, irrespective of how we feel, God speaks to us. Not words of fear, not words of panic, not words that close us down and cause us to regress in life. No words to make us strong, words to make us fruitful, words to make us thrive, words to make us everything that he's called us to be in life. The Apostle Paul confidently identified God as the source of hope. Look what tried to break him. Look what came against him. I mean, he lists it all in his letters. All of the stripes and all of the blows and all of the circumstances of life that were so crushing. But when he wrote to believers in the church of Rome, he reveals and he identifies God as the source of all hope. These believers were being fiercely persecuted. And we looked at that a number of weeks ago. Fiercely persecuted for believing on Jesus for following him, for obeying him. And they were caught in a middle moment, just like the disciples were at sea. They were caught in a situation that was seriously threatening their future to enter into everything that God had for them. But right in the middle of their storm, right in the middle of their crisis, Paul reveals to them, that God is the source of hope. Listen to what he says in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. And this was his prayer for them. He said, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. But Paul, can't you pray that our circumstances will change? Paul, can't you pray that this terrible storm will cease? Paul, can't you, can't you pray for everything to become what it used to be? No. The greatest prayer that I can pray for you is that you encounter God, the source of hope. And that this joy and peace overflow in your heart and that you be filled with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, before Jesus spoke to that outer storm around the disciples that was stopping them getting to the other side, he spoke to the storm within them. He spoke to that inner world within them that was in turmoil, that was struggling to make sense of everything that was happening around them. And he brought order. And he said, be of good cheer. That's what Paul was doing here. As he wrote to those young believers in that church that he so desperately wanted to visit, you need to encounter the God of hope. Then you'll interpret all of the circumstances around you in light of how he sees it. To further you on in his will. Encounter the God of hope, he says. Be filled with him. Joy is your portion. Peace is the place and the position that you live from. And confident hope 
confident hope you'll go out in life with and face every single situation that tries to oppose you. Your confidence and your hope will be in God. And he reveals this. You know, years ago, I remember going to speak at a church, a small church up the valleys. And um, I went in, and I just finished Bible school. So they thought, oh, he knows what he's doing. And I thought I knew what I was doing. Since discovered, I have no idea what I'm doing. So anyway, I go into this church in, um, in the valleys. And the pastor, you know, comes up to me with this man. And, he's, and, and this man is in a pitiful condition. And uh, he brings him to me. And he said, he is suffering with manic depression. He's been suffering with manic depression most of his life. And the guy, you know, to look at was, was in a serious condition, just crying. I mean, he couldn't even, I tried to speak to the guy. He couldn't even speak. He was so depressed and so overcome and overtaken by this, this awful spirit of depression. So when he brought him to me, I remember, right, looking at the man and looking at the pastor and thinking, my God, I have got no idea what to do here. Because actually, I struggle with a bit of depression myself. So, I mean, a manic depressive, I do not know what to do, right? But I thought, for appearance sake, I better act as if I do know what I'm doing, because I haven't even preached the sermon. The, ser the service hasn't even begun yet. I, I better act as if I know what I'm doing, right? So, honestly, I didn't even know how to pray. But anyway, I thought, well, I gotta, it's going to be embarrassing if I don't do anything. I lifted my hand up, right? Not knowing, not having any idea what to do. I lifted my hand up, and then suddenly, I kid you not, from this donkey, right? God started to speak, right? And he started to say things about over this guy, right? Prophesy. And I, the joy of the Lord is going to hit you. This manic depression is going to go. You're never, ever going to have it again. It's, you're going to be delivered. I am the Lord. And all of this stuff, right? And I'm thinking, my God, I hope it comes to pass because i got to possibly come back to this church in the future and if it doesn't happen, I'm going to get this guy's hopes up and they're going to be looking at me as if, you know, I don't know what I'm doing, which I don't know what I'm doing. So anyway, all of this stuff, man, you're this manic depression, you're going to be healed and you're going to this and da-da-da-da-da and great future and la-la-la, joy, not sadness. You're going to be overtaken and overcome with laughter and blah-blah-blah, right? On it went. And then amen, right? No change on the guy right? Just completely manic depressed, manically depressed, right? Off he goes. I get up, preach, and that's it. Go home. Well, six months later, I go back to that church, right? And uh, walk in. I completely forgot about what I'd said to that guy. Complete. Well, I hadn't said it. So anyway, this, this person comes up to me, and I didn't know who he was. But it was the guy who 
God spoke to. Right? And my God, he started shaking my hand, right? He said, you're not going to believe this. He said, the next day, the next day, he said, I'm walking in the park. I'm depressed. I'm taking my tablets and all of that stuff. And he said, suddenly, the power of God hit me in that park. He said, he said it was like somebody turned the lights on. I'd been living in darkness, sadness. I was born again, but somebody turned. It's like somebody flicked the switch. And suddenly, everything became colorful. I started to laugh uncontrollably. And joy has been my portion ever since. He couldn't believe it. No, I couldn't believe it, right? I couldn't believe it either because I had no idea what I was doing. But you see, God, the source of all hope, the source of all hope, connected with the man who had broken emotions and a broken life. And joy became his portion. Peace became that new position of life. And now he was confident in the hope that he held in God. It's wonderful what hope can do in the most hopeless of situations, isn't it? And I'm sure we've all seen things like that. I know Pastor Ray certainly has on many occasions. He could tell us about so many testimonies, but we've all got testimonies as well of God doing that. You see, God, God's language is the language of hope. It's infused with life. He's not going to add to your fears. He's not going to compound your problem. He's going to deliver us from it and set us free like he does. Do you know there's a, an occasion in the Old Testament where the language of hope, when God speaks to his people, is so beautiful and so wonderful. Isaiah sees a picture of God's people and they are like, this is how he describes them, they're like a barren woman. They couldn't produce any life. All hope had been lost. And it seemed for God's people as if all of their best days were behind them. All of their best days had gone. And sometimes in life we can feel like that. All of our best days are behind us. All of our best days are gone and not before us. But isn't God the God who says, I will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. And he lists all of those wicked, destroying locusts that had destroyed the abundance of God's people. He said, I will restore every year that's been destroyed and make it abundant and make it new. He's the God of hope. He speaks the language of hope into every situation that we face. And the people of God that Isaiah saw and pictured were a hopeless people, a barren people, unable to produce, ashamed and disgraced and abandoned. And their barrenness left them incapable of believing that anything good could happen in their future. But you know what? The amazing thing is, God spoke 
to his barren people. Listen to the language that God uses. The God who is the source of all hope. He doesn't add to their shame. He doesn't add to their problem. He doesn't add to their lifelessness and their infertility. No, he speaks hope where there is no hope. Isaiah 54, it's God speaking. And it's a, it's a chapter that's infused with hope, infused with life. Because God now is describing a brand new future and a brand new picture that he wants his people to enter. Listen to it, Isaiah 54, 1 to 5, and then verse 17 at the end. But the whole chapter we could read, and it's just infused with life, infused with hope. Because hope is the language that God speaks into a barren situation. He says this, this is how he starts. Imagine waking up to this. Sing, barren woman, you who have never bore a child. Burst into song, shout for joy. You who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. I tell you, you've got to be God to pull that one off. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. See how he has to deal with fear again? Because sometimes it's the natural default that we resort to when we think that God has left us. God has never left us. He's faithful when we are faithless. Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear. Disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth. And remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. And then verse 17, we prayed it right at the beginning. No weapon forged against you will prevail. You will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And this is the vindication from me, declares the Lord. You talk about the language of hope. You talk about the power of the promise of God's word. You talk about the transforming the transforming power that takes us to another place, another level in God. When we hear his word, this right here in this chapter is the language of hope being spoken into the ear of a nation that had lost all hope. We're at a hopeless place. They'd lost all sense of destiny. All sense of God's favor. But God whispers, you can sing again. You can sing. Isaiah saw God's people thousands of miles away in Babylon, exiled for 70 years. You talk about becoming barren. This wasn't just 
like the disciples were facing on the sea that night as their obedience was opposed in the middle of the storm. These people had been exiled to Babylon and they were there for 70 years. You talk about being in a barren condition, in a barren place where they could produce no life. All hope had gone. And yet, into this moment, God comes just like Jeremiah had prophesied. You'll be in Babylon for 70 years and then suddenly... I'll open the key to the door and you'll be on your way back to the land that I have given you. All of this was happening around God's people. They were in a hopeless place. But it's impossible, you see. It's impossible to ever come to a hopeless end in life. When endless hope is looking after you. Endless hope has called you. Endless hope has declared your destiny over you. Impossible to ever come to a hopeless end in life. And right at this moment, at this juncture in the people's history, the people of Israel, God speaks. And he tells them to sing. Sing. Singing was so far from their mind. Infertile, unproductive, no life coming from them. Singing was the last thing that they wanted to do. Previously, whilst being in Babylon, their Babylonian captors had jibed them and taunted them and demanded that they sing the songs of Zion as a taunt. Listen to Psalm 137, verse 1 to 4. By the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the populars we hung our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing to us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? And very often there are seasons in our lives where we feel as if we've been cornered in a foreign land. And, and that arch enemy, our adversary, the devil, comes and tries with all of his opponents around him to demand a song of joy for, from us. And we're in a season where it seems as if we cannot sing and we certainly won't sing at their request, because they're trying to demean and diminish the faith that we hold in God. That's where, that's where Israel were, or that's where Judah were, when they were captive in Babylon. The song of the Lord had left their heart because of all of the circumstances around them. They couldn't sing. They were in a season of barrenness. They were in a season where all hope had gone. But suddenly, God called time. He called time on that period where they were in Babylon. And he began to fill their minds again that more would be their children than, than, than the wife that was married. More would be the produce of life from them. They were to enlarge their tents, strengthen, lengthen their cords, strengthen their Stakes, they were going to be bursting at the seams. Why? Because God had declared it. 
And in the 70th year, you can read it in the Bible, to the very day that Jeremiah had prophesied. It wasn't a day early. It wasn't a day late. To the very day, the Bible says. That word came to pass and they began to return. They began to return to the land. Let me just tell you how they returned. Finally, just before we close, Isaiah 51 verse 11 tells us exactly how they returned. Now remember, they couldn't sing in Babylon. But the moment came where God visited them and told them to sing. He didn't see them as barren any longer. And when he, when he used his power to change the heart of Cyrus, for them to have, for them to be given rightful entry back into their land, they were, re, they were to return with a song coming from their heart. Isaiah 51 verse 11 says this, Therefore, the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion. And everlasting joy shall be upon their head. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. I'm telling you that joy, peace is your portion, child of God. Not fear, not depression, not barrenness to every barren area in our lives we can lift up a song of praise to God and see his delivering power and be assured of his involvement and intervention into every area of our lives there may be areas of our lives where we feel as if they are completely out of God's sight and out of God's view oh no God's got his eye on them it's going to produce it's going to produce you better enlarge your tent. You better lengthen your cords. You better strengthen your stakes because soon that area that's been so unproductive in your life, that area that's caused shame, that area that's been, uh, that, that's been covered with darkness is going to see the light of God's Word in it and soon it's going to be bursting at the seams and no weapon formed against you will prosper and every tongue that's condemned you, every tongue that's brought shame on that area, God will confound and you have a right to refute and you will be vindicated by the Lord. That's the Word of God to us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's give Him praise. Ah, let me close by saying this. Ah. Acts chapter 16, Paul, Silas, and Timothy are on their second missionary journey. Great things are happening. Kingdom of God is spreading. The gospel is, is changing cities. These men have got the anointing of God on them. The church is growing the kingdom is going forward. They are unstoppable. Unstoppable. They come to Philippi and everything kicks off. There's huge, huge opposition. Paul and Silas get beaten, thrown into jail. A barren situation right there. 
you are not going to do what God has called you to do. The enemy rises up against them as Paul casts out a devil from a slave girl, sets her free, and, them, and her masters aren't well pleased because they can't earn any money. <laughs> Flip it, egg. And they, they, they're imprisoned, in chains. You are not, you are not going any further in what you're doing. Barren situation, and it would seem as if everything's closed in on them. What do they do? You know, start praying and singing. And singing. Right? Maybe they sung this song. Now, this is a really old one. I'm going to do it this morning. I am. Right? Because it came to me in, 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 the, in the week. We used to sing it in the apostolic church. Right? Therefore, the redeemed of the Lord shall return. And come a singing unto Zion, an everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. And then I think it went on, they shall return, Isaiah 51, with gladness and joy. Listen, and sorrow. And sighing will flee away. Come on, Silas. Therefore, the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come a singing unto Zion. An everlasting joy shall be upon their head. They shall return. They shall return. It's like a proper pub song with gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing will flee away and we'll stop it there because this thing goes on and on and on and on do you know what right but but they start singing right because barrenness is not in their heart and suddenly, what happens? The prism is broken open by the power of God. An earthquake comes and, and they are free. What, what goes on beyond there? They leave, they strengthen the brethren at Philippi after being released. And what happens? They go on to Thess Thessalonica, right? And a huge revival occurs. Great effect. The gospel has great effect in the hearts of people. And Paul remembers this church, that, that news about them is spreading everywhere. Their children, their children are more than they could ever imagine as they move on beyond what opposed them into everything that God had for them. They didn't give up. They didn't quit. They just carried on through to fulfill, that God, fulfill what God has for them. Amen. Amen. I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to pray right now. And we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to apply this word to us. Lord, it could be today. Fear in our mind. Lord, you hate fear. Because you see how it cripples us. 
you see how it causes us to do things we would never normally do when we have confident hope in you. Please, Holy Spirit, come right now. Deliver us from any fear that we have in our heart that holds us in our mind. It could be depression or or we feel oppressed in our emotions. It could be as we look at the future that our heart is heavy. Please, Holy Spirit, would you come and apply that word? Please let us have an encounter again with God who is the source of all hope that we would overflow with joy and peace, that confident hope would arise in our heart, in you. Lord, it could be sickness in our body. We've been obedient to you. We've followed you best we can all of our lives. We've declared that we love you to the best of our abilities. But Lord, sickness has come from nowhere. Like a, like a vicious opponent, Lord. God, you are the God who delivers us from every ailment. You're the God that heals our body. Lord, we ask you to heal our bodies completely of any abnormality, of anything that is trying to bring us down or to destroy us. And I pray, Lord, I pray this word over all of your people with long life. I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. That is the language of hope that you want to place in our heart, that you want to whisper into our ear. Not a doctor's report that seems so damning that we can't get beyond it. But God, those words of life, you'll be blessed going in, blessed going out. You'll be the head and not the tail. Lord, we ask you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. I'm going to ask Noel to come and sing. God bless you this morning. Have a wonderful week. And listen, listen, listen to that still, small voice. Because his voice, his voice communicates wonderful hope into our heart. And not an empty, flimsy hope, but a hope that is fulfilled, that he fulfills as we walk with him. Amen. 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 God bless you. God bless you.